Would you open your Bible with me to Psalm 119? There's a two-rail track. Now, I want us to get on in 1998. One of the rails is prayer before the throne of God, and the other rail is meditation on the Word of God. So prayer before the throne of God and meditation on the Word of God are like rails that if you're on them, will take you on the narrow way that leads to holiness and love and radical purposefulness in life and heaven in the long run. And I want you to get there. Some of you don't remember, but most of you do probably, this little booklet. The front page is on the banner up there. This is our mission statement. And on the second page, which is kind of a stepchild page that everybody has forgotten, it says, we join God the Father in magnifying the supremacy of his glory through our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit by treasuring all that God is, loving all whom he loves, praying for all his purposes, meditating on all his word and sustained by all his grace. That's the spiritual dynamic behind that mission statement. That's what's got to happen for that to come true. We say that. We know that by heart. We exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples. That's burned on my soul. That's why I do all those things he listed in that prayer. I exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God. And I hope you do too. But that doesn't come automatically. (laughs) That takes a certain spiritual dynamic of life, which is described on page two. Now, if you've lost this booklet or you didn't even know what I have in my hand here, this is a mega important booklet. And they're available still, I think. Some of them are out there and Ask for them if they aren't, and we'll get them republished. But the two I'm focusing on are these two, praying for all his purposes, meditating on all his word. This is a prayer-slash-Bible week. And the focus on prayer, especially today. We need a renewal of prayer just because we're people. Not because there's some awful, terrible thing happening at our church. Everybody gets tired. Everybody gets weak. Everything gets old to human beings. We have to constantly renew our zeal and put our torch back in the fire and let it blaze up again, which is why every year we try to light a fire and ignite a passion for prayer and for the Word, which are staples in our life. They are so basic, you can't move anywhere good without them. So that's the goal in these two messages this week and next week. It's a sandwich of the week, and the text is verse 18 of this chapter, Psalm 119. 
Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Now, there's a combination there, isn't there, of prayer and the word. The verse is a prayer. You see that? It is a prayer. He's talking to God. Open my eyes, he says. Please, God, open my eyes. The specific thing, though, that he wants to see is not how to make a decision to make more money or something like that, or what spouse to choose or whatever. Those are legitimate. But here it is, that I may behold wonders, wonderful things from this book. So you get the word, and he's praying over the word. Now there are three things taught here. Let me list them just simply. One, there are wonderful things in the word. <laughs> that's the first thing that's taught here. There are wonderful things in the Bible. I'm going to focus on that next Sunday. So if you wonder what's wonderful about the Bible, come back next Sunday. There are wonders in the Bible that we need to see because when we see them, we're changed by them. 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being changed from one degree of glory to the next. Beholding is becoming. That's the biblical way to be changed in 1998. Does there any, is there anybody in this room, I dare you to raise your hand, who has nothing in your life that you would like to see changed in 98? Raise your hand, bold one. Nothing you'd like to see changed about yourself or your family. All right. So, this is important to everybody in this room, unless you lied by not raising your hand. Everybody wants to change something about themselves or their spouse which you shouldn't spend too much time thinking about, or their kids, or their lost relative, or whatever. We want to be new, we want to be whole, we want to be mature, we want to be loving and kind and gentle and meek in ways that we aren't yet. And the Bible is real clear on this. It comes by seeing wonderful things in the Word. Come back to that in a minute. Second thing this text teaches is that we cannot see them without the supernatural work of God in our lives. You see that? Open my eyes, God, that I may see them. If you don't do this, I will not see them. The glory of God cannot be seen by the natural Man, it is always misconstrued, it is always twisted, it is always blotted out or obscured. It isn't seen as beautiful and glorious and delightful and winsome and what you'd want to embrace. If for that to happen, for the eyes of the heart to see that, God's got to do something. That's why he's saying, open my eyes. So the second thing this text teaches is we're blind. 
if God doesn't work. So if you've wondered, how come when I read the Bible, nothing happens? It may be that you need to go hard after God with this prayer. Because whatever has caused this psalmist to pray this prayer may be true of you. I'm sure it is true of you. It's true of me. I have to wrestle with God to see the book. And I don't mean the black marks on the page. I mean the wonders. The wonders. Do you come away from the book saying it was wonderful? And if you don't, you need to pray this prayer. Now, that's point number three. If we can't see it, we need to ask him to see it. So point number one was there are wonders to be seen in the book. Point number two is we can't see him without God's help. And point number three is, therefore, we should ask him. So I know there are people in this room right now who don't see wonders in the Bible. The Bible is not a wonderful book to you. Pizza is wonderful. If the Vikings had won, that would have been wonderful. The Super Bowl will be wonderful. Getting together with friends is wonderful. Sex is wonderful. But this book is boring. That's, that, some of you believe that in this room. So, if you, you might be content with that. That's a very dangerous place to be content. I plead with you, don't be content with that. If that's the way you are, just be honest right now and say to God, yep, that's the way I am. He, he described it. I like a lot of things more than this book. If you're not content with that, learn to pray this prayer. Isn't it encouraging to you that a Bible man had to pray this prayer? That's so encouraging to me that a Bible man had to pray this prayer. Open my eyes that I may see wonders because I don't usually see them. Does that encourage you? It encourages me so much that a David, if he wrote this psalm, has to pray that way. So those are the three things that this text teaches. Now, next week we'll focus on the wonders. Today, I want to just take those three things and unpack them a little bit from other parts of the Bible. Lest you rest too much weight, you may feel, on a little teeny verse in the Old Testament. These three truths that I just laid out there are all over the place in the Bible. So let's just take 15 minutes or so and see where. Let's take truth number one. There are wonders in the Bible to be seen so that when we see them, we are changed. We are sanctified. All right. Here's one other verse that says this back up to verse 11. Verse 11 in this same big, long, longest chapter in the Bible. Isn't it interesting that the longest chapter in the Bible is a chapter about the Bible? That's very important. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So the, the point of this verse is the Bible, the truth of God spread all over this book. If you treasure it in your heart, you won't sin as much. Now, do you want to sin less in 1998? I want to sin less. I don't want to get as angry as I did or as quickly. 
I don't want to be insensitive to people. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be sloppy in my disciplines. I want to be kind and gentle. I want to be truthful. I don't want to exaggerate to my benefit. And a lot of things I'd like to do better at in 98. And so here it is, verse 11. If you treasure up the word, the word in your heart, you won't sin as much. Meditate on it. Surely that means love it, memorize it like we're going to do together. Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be loving? Do you want to be radical for God? You got to store up the word. God has ordained a way. And I say this to you older people and I say it to the tiny people through their parents. To the older people like me and older say I'm 51 for another week. It is not easy to memorize anymore. And the older you get, evidently, the harder it gets. But I ask you this. Is anything worth doing easy? Making a beautiful piece of furniture. Writing a good poem. Making great music. Putting on a special meal and celebration for somebody. Is anything easy? Nothing's easy that's worth doing. Everything is hard to do. I, I, I am so impressed with this. Now, I do not regard my Advent poems as great poetry. I do not expect them to be immortalized by anybody. I think that they are family traditions. That's what they are. They are the kinds of things I write for my wife and my kids at home. I keep them. I love them. We as a church enjoy them, but they're not going down in history. But you know what? They are hard work. And I used to sit, I sit there late at night trying to get a non-hackneyed way to get this thing to rhyme. And I sit there saying, is this line worth a half an hour of my life? And, and I have for 18 years decided, yes, I might change my mind one of these years, but, but I am so impressed that craftsmanship is hard. You craftsmen who care about your work, who make things. We've got all kinds of craftsmen in this room. If you care, or our computer program, if you to get it to work the first time, no glitch. That's hard. So I'm just saying older people whose memories are failing, so what? Let's do it, okay? If it takes you three, four, five days of repeating it over and 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 over again to get the three-line verse, it's worth it. It's worth it. What else are you going to do with that failing mind of yours? That's more worth it. Watch TV? That's not worth it. Okay, what about the other end of the spectrum? My little girl now is two years old. This is so good. I'm 51 with a two-year-old, so I can empathize with all you 20-year-olds who have babies. And she can now memorize. She just turned two. And she's memorizing like crazy. 
She's picking up the prayers. She's picking up the verses. She can pray on her own. You say, you say thanks for the food, Talitha. And you dinner for the food. That's, that's two. And she's got that one down. And some adults don't have it down. Thank you for this food. Comes from you. And she's working on John 3.16. And she's picking up other things. She's two. Now that's totally our business here, folks. Your business is to... Why are we doing this? Why do we spend time at night, morning meals, building the word into this little girl? You know why? I don't want her to commit fornication when she's 13. Store the word up in your heart and you will keep your feet from sinning. I want this little girl to be holy and pure and mighty in the word and able to say no to all that is wrong and yes to all that is right and to be a wise young woman. I tell you something else I thought of in the airport on my way. I, I flew from Austin to Dallas to Minneapolis last night. And uh, John Bloom was with me and I walked into the bathroom and I'm so tired and I'm still tired and God is good. And I looked at my face and I said, you're old. And a little voice said, that's good. And it's good to look like it. Because youth has no values that are worth looking like. They're stupid. They're not wise. They're not disciplined. They're rebellious. Why would anybody want to look like a young person? Wise people, I mean, older people are wise and they're mature. And I went out of the bathroom and I asked John Bloom, how come our culture doesn't esteem wrinkles? Because wrinkles say you've had some experience under your belt and you've got some wisdom and you could counsel somebody in a way they should go that they ought to listen to. And, and I think I'm going to write a book <laughs> or something about... What's wrong with our culture? I mean, a lot of cultures esteem gray hair. The Bible said gray hair is a crown. And it's not, no, nobody was laughing when that verse was written. To be old was to be valued. So if that's true, you'd want to look like it. So you wouldn't, you know, do one of these little, little, little tack up things that make you look 10 years younger. I can do that, but why would you want to? Because if you look 10 years younger, you're 10 years dumber. <laughs> so, um, I forget what got me started on that. <laughs> Both ends of the age spectrum, from the young to the old, go, f go for wisdom, go for sin-free living in as much as it's possible through the word. Well, that's, that's point number one. Point number two is you can't do this on your own. You can't do it on your own. Ephesians 4.18 says, We are darkened in our understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in us, because of the hardness of our heart. That is a devastating verse. Let me read it again more slowly so you can hear it. This is who we are apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. 
We are darkened in our understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us, because of the hardness of our heart. Now, that's why the psalmist prayed, open my eyes. By nature, I'm a dead man, I'm a blind man, and the word of God is like the sun shining full force in the face of a blind man. Now, the fact that the blind man is blind, staring at the sun, does not diminish the glory of the sun. What's got to happen to take away darkness is not that the sun change, but that the eyes be open. So we pray it. So you need to know that by nature you're blind. The Bible is, is a book of bad and good news. The good news is good news because we've learned the bad news. If you don't know the bad news about yourself, you don't even know what the good news you need is. And the good you, news you need is a sovereign God who can open the eyes of the blind and change the heart and make you love what you don't love, namely the Bible and all of its wonders. Well, there are many, many texts to that. Effect. Let me give you one more before we close with point three. Deuteronomy 29, uh, you don't need to look it up, I'll read it to you. Verse two says, Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, you have seen, now underline that, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. Now verse three. Those great signs and wonders, verse 4. Yet, to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know nor eyes to see. Nor ears to hear. Now let's collapse that. Collapse verse 2 down onto verse 4. Moses says, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes. That means... They opened the book, using the analogy. They opened the book. They saw the story. Exodus, oh. <laughs> the, the sea split. Manna came down. Ten plagues. I see those things. And then verse 4 says, To this day the Lord has not given you eyes to see. What does that mean? It means that their hardness of heart had not been overcome. That's a promise of the new covenant. It was for the remnant fulfilled in the Old Testament. Eyes were opened, hardness was taken away, ears were granted. And people who were born of God in the Old Testament cherished the glory of God in the exodus, in the plagues, in the manna. The rest, they just saw manna or like. I suppose Keith Green would say, manna burgers and, and, and just grumble, 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 grumble in the wilderness because they didn't have eyes to see. And so all over, all over the Bible, there's this truth that by nature we are dead in our trespasses and sins. 
We are hard-hearted against the Lord. We have no taste buds on the tongue of our spiritual life so that when we lick a sweet promise, we taste nothing sweet because these taste buds are dead. Which leads us to the last point. Namely, we need to pray. If the word is crucial to living a life of godliness and holiness and overcoming sin in 1998, and if by nature we can't see the word or the glories in the word, then we are desperate people. And that's why we come to prayer week. I come to prayer week desperate. One of the questions they asked me in this leadership meeting down in Austin yesterday, no, Friday afternoon, was um, how do you... How do you keep the intensity with which you spoke this morning? And I said, I'm desperate. I'm always desperate. I'm so frightened that I might die. That is, spiritually just shrivel up and become indifferent. That happens to pastors. <laughs> I, I, I know pastors who are no longer aflame for God. And they look for every opportunity to spend time on their hobbies. I heard a pastor say not long ago, he bought, a, he bought a, a cabin. And he said, if you can't beat them, join them. I know another one who spends virtually every night working in his workshop, wood shop. Not reading anymore, doesn't read anymore, doesn't pray anymore. Just does his job. Puts out the sermon, visits the sick, bears the dead, marries the young, but he's dead. And I'm scared of that with all my heart. I'm scared to death of that. And therefore, I throw myself on this book with this prayer every day. I don't go to this book assuming I'm going to see anything. John Piper, left to himself, would be... A pure, intellectual, academician with no heart and just a bunch of arguments. Cultivating his ego and maybe looking like he's doing something worthwhile, but it would all be gone. And so I, I commend desperation to you and ask you to pray this prayer with me. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. A good exercise that I would have done with you had I had time, I'll pass over here, I think, is, is to walk you through the entire Psalm 119. Why don't you do that this afternoon? Do it like this. Here's what I did. Look for every prayer in the psalm. There are probably 30 or so. A verse that is a prayer. And, and look at what they're praying for. Dozens of different things. And compare those prayers to your prayers and let the prayers of Psalm 119 become your prayers in 1998. But let me close like this. I want us to just stop and take a few minutes in silence before we go and take perhaps uh, your little thing, which I've misplaced up here, but you, the thing that's in your bulletin, the little uh, sign-up card, take that... Take that sign-up card, and I'm going to close. I'm going to just bow with you. This is, this is the sheet and the little beige one that comes with it. And uh, 
as we're silent for maybe a minute here, would you talk to the Lord and to your soul about whether you want to sign on with the Viterverse program and whether this week you want to do something special to say, open my eyes, open my eyes. I've got to see the Bible more than I see the Bible. I've got to see what's in it. I can't just do this duty thing continually. I've got to see glory. I've got to feel God. I've got to get to Christ. The Holy Spirit's got to be real to me. If, if you want that, Decide where this week you're going to go hard after God. So let's just be quiet for a minute before we, before we close. And then maybe, Chuck, we could do that uh, Open My Eyes song in just a minute. One of the things you should surely do is uh, to drop by the ministry hall tables, look at the materials, expose yourself to the possibilities, go to the prayer book table and look at the discipleship journal. Get alone with God this week. Take turns with your spouse, taking two, three hours to get alone. Just ask the Lord about the year, what you might do differently. It's not too late. Don't worry about New Year's being missed. No New Year's in God's timetable. Decide on some new patterns for the family. Resolve some things for the kids. Stretch your failing memory with a verse a week. And then I'll stand down here at the front and some of our elders will be here. And if, if there's something blocking this in your life, maybe you don't even know Christ as your Savior. We're here to pray with you and talk with you. We'd love to do that. So the song is printed. We've sung it once. It's a beautiful tune. It's an old hymn. Let's stand and ask the Lord. This is a prayer now. Mean this when you say it. Open my eyes.
you've heard our prayer. And I believe hundreds and hundreds in this room have meant that. Would you answer it, please, in 1998 with vistas of glory in the Word that we've never seen before, that we might be changed from one degree of glory to the other, and your name might be honored, and the world might see our good deeds and give glory to you, our Father in heaven. And all the people said, Amen. Be dismissed.